I want to thank everybody that responded uh, to last week's uh, video that I did, live video. <clears throat> I'd asked for feedback. I wanted to know if uh, if what I was doing and saying on Sunday mornings was really making a difference for people in their lives. And uh, <clears throat> so several of you left comments on uh, that video that were encouraging, and many of you reached out to me privately in instant messages or texts or whatever, and I really, really appreciated those, especially. <clears throat> Thank you for taking that extra time. So uh, <laughs> it's largely because of that that I'm back on this morning <clears throat> and going to talk about the higher self. So let's uh, let's just jump in and uh, talk about <clears throat> This concept of the higher self, I've been thinking about this all week. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not really sure where to start it. One of the things that I've noticed for a lot of people that are like in the religious trauma group, going through deconstruction, <clears throat> a lot of my friends that have gone through deconstruction that were pastors end up oftentimes, at least going through a phase, it would seem, of uh <clears throat> atheism. And by atheism I mean no belief in God at all. I don't just mean rejecting um current notions, modern notions or evangelical notions or Christian notions of who God is, but <clears throat> sort of rejecting the idea of a creator uh at all. Now that has never been an option for me. Mostly because I have been <clears throat> graced or favored with a lot of what we would call supernatural experiences, things that uh, couldn't be explained by just physical phenomena alone. So when we're talking about supernatural experiences, I'm talking about roughly three different things, knowing, <laughs> being present, Bypassing time and space in terms of presence, uh, omniscience, if you will, although omniscience means you're present everywhere. So <clears throat> out-of-body experience, remote viewing, that kind of thing would be an example of violating the laws of physics in terms of time and space, right? If your body stays one place, but you, a part of you, your consciousness leaves your body and goes somewhere else, <clears throat> or if you're able to remove remote view an event, <laughs> view an event remotely. So there's omniscience. There's, uh, I'm sorry, omnipresence, omnipresence, the ability to be present to different things, view events remotely, view future events remotely. So now you're bypassing time and space. <clears throat> so that's one level of what I would call supernatural experience or phenomenon. The second level is, uh, would relate to omniscience and that is knowing. That is knowing things that you have no, uh, th that you know from the inside, that you have no <clears throat> way of having received that knowledge externally by what we call natural means. So this would be an example from churches, uh, Word of knowledge, <clears throat> or if you've ever been to a, like a psychic creator, or you've been to a psychic that, uh, can contact your loved ones that have passed on and give you detailed information, or at least information that defies, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That defies, God, I may have to delete this. Uh, anyway, uh, oh gosh, okay, <laughs> moving on. Information that you couldn't have gotten by chance, that, that is ruled out by chance. So you didn't get by coincidence. Coincidence, that's the word I'm looking for. So, uh, <clears throat> so there's that. And then there is, uh, omnipotence or potency, power. And this would relate to things that occur or happen in the natural world that don't follow, let's just say, the Newtonian laws of physics, at least. And really, not even necessarily 
the quantum law of physics. So this would be like miracles that happen, supernatural miracles that happen. <clears throat> Healings, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, all that kind of stuff. So those would be the three levels of supernatural experience that I would kind of break things down into. And I've had many experiences on all three of those levels. So, therefore, I have to conclude, based on my own personal experience, that there is something out there, as people would say, that uh, the divine does exist, that God does exist, that God is involved in our lives, that he does, he, she, it does communicate with us, does work with us, does work through us. And so for me, even though I was deconstructing, um, I was, you know, trying to find a spiritual pathway that made sense, that, that I could make sense out of stuff with. So for me, Christianity did that for a long time, and then it started to break down and not make sense on a lot of different levels. Um, and, you know, I've talked about that stuff ad nauseum. But I still was having these experiences. I still had had these experiences, and I couldn't abandon them because to do that would be the worst kind of betrayal. It would have been self-betrayal in the sense that I would have had to completely deny my own experiences. So I just began to look at it and say, okay, these things happen and are happening in my life. They happen and are happening in the lives of lots of other people that don't believe like me. So these things happen in spite of my beliefs, not because of my beliefs. <clears throat> it's weird not being able to see the comments, so at least somewhat. So, um <clears throat> Yeah, so a lot of people in Christian circles merely had a philosophy of life or a morality. They had a way that they thought about life. They had a cosmology that included God, angels, demons, whatever. But they didn't consistently see the flowing and operating of things from this other dimension, this other realm in their lives. Or if they did, they themselves weren't convinced. In other words, they, it was kind of maybe a little bit made up. Uh, and, and I saw a lot of that. I mean, I'm talking about things that couldn't be made up, that were verifiable, that were not general. A lot of readings, what we call prophecy, what we call words of knowledge or psychic phenomena is just somebody's really good at guessing and using very general, vague language to connect with the person and sort of hypnotize them into believing that they <clears throat> are connecting to something. Oftentimes they are connecting to something. They just don't have the confidence, I guess, or the faith or the skill to maybe step out and be a little bit more detailed, say, for example, if they're giving information. A lot of people can manifest healing through divine energy or life energy or however you want to look at that. The same way we did in the church by laying on pans. Um, so anyway, my point is there was too much of that. That was really what we were after when we were in that movement anyway. And by we, I mean myself and the other leaders in the church and the people that connected and are still connected to a large degree with what we're doing and with the ministry that we're doing and stuff. And so that was kind of my quest. My quest was to connect with what's out there, to, to connect with God in a very real way, uh, to connect with God in a living way. And yet, again, like I said, <clears throat> there was a lot of baggage and garbage that just came with it, at least for me, in my experiences with Christianity. So much so that some of it left me traumatized psychologically wounded because of the belief system itself. Some of it left me psychologically wounded because of the sociological dynamics, the relationships, the way people would treat me or the way we would treat one another um, or the way people would just act without integrity would leave me a bit disillusioned. So all of that led to sort of this deconstruction that I went through, which Actually began 
out of this metaphysical sort of supernatural experience that I had, this visionary experience that I had, where I was connecting with other beings. Um, so you kind of end up in this weird space if you're me, because you no longer fit in the Christian circles as much because you're not towing the party line on any level. And you don't fit with the atheist or atheistic or agnostic, let's just put it that way, the agnostic world out there, meaning that you lose some, let's say, scientific credibility in the field, <laughs> uh, in the world. You, you're seen as uh, one of those, right? And then, so then I, I <laughs> so it's just tough because you don't fit with, like, like a lot of these people had a philosophy of life and then they just changed philosophy of life. They had a morality and they just changed or lose their morality or change their morals, whatever. But when you have a living connection with source and with source energy and with what Jesus called the well of water that's inside of you and the rivers of life that are flowing out of you, then, and if you believe that that connection with source is in any way dependent upon your religious beliefs, then you have a problem. But you also have a problem fitting in, right? Because you don't necessarily fit with the religious crowd anymore. In fact, they hate you. Uh, and, and it depends on which part of the religious crowd is there. They'll, they'll either say that you are too much into man's wisdom. You're too much into your intellect, uh, too much critical thinking and they'll scoff at you. I mean, you bring up uh, stuff. I, I would think that if what we're talking about is the truth, if, if what you say you believe is the truth, if you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if you believe what he said, if you continue in his word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Uh, if you believe what Paul said, that there would be strong delusion, that people would not believe the truth, and truth is what's at stake, then truth should withstand and does, in fact, withstand critical analysis and critical thinking with the left side of your brain that God gave you. So Christians will say, well, you're too logical. But then on the flip side, those that were logical and just had this sort of philosophy of life, they would say, well, you're, you're being deceived by spirits. You're being too spiritual. You're being deceived by what's out there. So it's just like you can't, you can't win unless you conform, right? And then to, like I said, to the other group, if you, if you say you connect with angels or other entities, uh, then people think you're too woo woo, right? And so it's like you become a hot potato. That nobody wants to touch. And I'm sure a lot of you watching, or at least some of you watching, can relate to this. Hopefully I'm not babbling <clears throat> too much today. <laughs> I'm, I'm on drugs. <laughs> For those of you just turning, tuning in, I, I explained that um, I, I messed up my neck this week, so I've been taking some muscle relaxers and stuff. It's just got me a little loopy this morning. So... So that's kind of the journey, right? So I get it. I get why there's this sort of need that people have to go one way or to go the other. Now, the title that I put on this is connecting with your higher self. Higher self seems to be the lingo that we use today. Oh, and and by the way, uh, at least my experience with the New Age sort of consciousness community um, is, again, a complete suspension of critical thinking. Not everybody, but a lot of people. I mean, it's just, it has, it's the same thing. It's it's religion all over again because it's a suspension of critical thinking and sort of just believing whatever somebody channeled or whatever somebody said. And I just can't do that. I just, I'm sorry. I just can't. I just can't because somebody channeled it or somebody said they channeled it. Then it's got authority is no different than saying the Bible has authority. The Bible is a channeled work. The Bible is an inspired work. So <clears throat> I never try to base my belief system or my discovery of truth 
I really want it to withstand um, scrutiny. And I don't want to, this is just for me, I, I, I don't want to, I, I want the information to be able to stand on its own regardless of its origin. So wisdom can come from anything, right? So it doesn't matter to me so much what the source is um, for good or, or for bad. So in other words, I'm not going to swallow it, that information and believe it because it comes from some source that is supposedly channeled that has a good track record or understanding of things over here. And by the same token, I'm not going to reject it because it is channeled. And at least my former self, you know, we didn't believe in that. We thought that was all demons anyway. <clears throat> but so for me, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get with that group because it was just, it, it, did you ever notice that most people who believe in reincarnation and say they've accessed the Akashic records and the information about their past lives, they were never like ordinary. They were never just like, you know, uh, like one of my sons told me that he remembered one of his past lives. This, this was a couple of years ago. And I'm not going to question him. I'm, I'm not going to doubt him. But his past life was he lived in a, on a neighborhood, on a block, had two kids, taught math. Um, he kind of knew his address. It, just an average life, right? Just the math teacher. You, you see what I'm saying? Uh, or maybe a tragic life, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't marry the person that I fell in love with. I married someone else instead, um, because our families, whatever, and no Romeo Juliet ending, you know, <clears throat> I had a wife, two, two of my five children died of disease. My wife died of consumption and I froze to death. I mean, you never hear those stories. It's always, you know, you were somebody glamorous or somebody incredible or somebody wonderful or an alien or a star seed or something in your past life. I mean, if that doesn't reek of ego, I don't, I don't know what does. And I'm not saying maybe you weren't. I mean, may, obviously there have been glamorous people that have lived down through the ages. Possibly there is life on other planets that give a damn about this one. And so maybe your soul is seated because of some greater plan. I don't know. Who am I to question? I mean, I don't know. My point is, have you ever noticed how everybody has some glamour, uh, <clears throat> glamorous thing? They're, they're part of some enlightened alien species that came here to help humanity or they were Cleopatra in their past life or some shit like that. Um, <laughs> And so I just, I'm too skeptical. I'm too much of a cynic to get swept up in that sort of stuff too. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do? Now, I've met some wonderful people uh, in the spiritual consciousness community that are doing tremendous work. Uh, I have some really good friends. I have some people that help me along the way who are totally legit in what they're doing. Um, so I'm not, you know, I want to be careful that I'm not generalizing. I'm just saying as a community, uh, as a group for a group identity, I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I fit in there either. And it's okay to not fit in. I suppose everybody probably feels like they don't fit in. <laughs> the other problem that I had, ah, uh, well, let's don't get off on that. That's not the point. So anyway, in my quest for trying to find a, a path that made sense to me and be able to make sense of my experiences that I'd had, uh, I, I, I researched things that were a little bit more proven, had a little bit more of a track record. And what, what has worked for me, what's made the most sense to me is what I've been calling the, the left-hand path. Now, the way I use the term left-hand path, the way other people may be using it, may be totally different. Because <clears throat> there's a lot of people on the left hand, that just think the left-hand path is about black magic and dark magic and demons and Lucifer and uh, Satanism and all that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about that. Uh, you can go back and look at my 
other videos to see what I'm talking about. But the left-hand path, when, when I'm using it, I'm talking about this sort of actualizing the divine self, actualization of the divine self, the God self. Uh, and not just the divine self, but the human self as well. So actualization, integration of the self, capital S, right? And so this, this kind of leads into this idea of the higher self. Or if you want to go back to ancient terminology, it's what's called the daemon. Now this goes all the way back to Socrates and Plato and actually before them. So it gets recorded into our history through the writings of Socrates and Plato, but they're making reference in their writings to something that, that predates them. So who knows how far back this goes, but they called it the Holy Daemon, uh, not demon, Daemon. <clears throat> and it was the, what, what we would call in the new age circles, I guess, the higher self or the divine self. Um, about 1606, there was a writing that appeared, um, that is the, it was a grimoire, magical grimoire that showed up in Kabbalah, um, that was written supposedly by a guy named Abramelin the Mage, Abramelin the Mage. And so that goes back to, <clears throat> Somewhere, I, I forget now, 1300s or the 1600s. And he has an elaborate ritual in, to connect with the higher self, to connect with what people who were influenced by that, uh, a guy named Mathers, um, McGregor Mathers, I think. Ah. <laughs> I should have taken notes before I started this. But he popularized it uh, in the early 1900s. And there's a whole ritual, uh, magical working, whatever that you can do from the spring solstice to the, um, the spring equinox way from the spring equinox to the fall equinox, uh, this daily sort of cleansing ritual where you can meet <clears throat> your higher self and they refer to it as the, holy guardian angel. And the goal of a lot of spiritual paths was to come into conversation, the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel or connection with the higher self. In fact, in a lot of, um, a lot of paths that are based on some of this older um, sort of understanding the first step of initiation is to make contact with the HGA, with the Holy Guardian Angel, or with your daemon, with your inner daemon, with the, with the God that dwells within you, with your higher self. And this higher self then becomes the mediator, if you will, uh, and the guide that leads you through the rest of the path workings, the rest of the, initi- the initiatory work. Whatever. I feel like I'm speaking in tongues. So <laughs> my point is that I was able to understand that a lot of what I have experienced and continue to experience and even my deconstruction, I always felt like my deconstruction was guided by the hand of God, which I know sounds crazy uh, to people, um, perhaps. And I feel like even, you know, some of the transitions and stuff that I'm in right now. There is a, there's an order to it. There is a guidance to it. There is a plan to it. I, I believe that with all my heart. I can't not believe it. It's not like I could just decide, oh, I'm not going to believe that anymore. <laughs> Cause it's just, I just, it's just there, right? So if this is correct, if Socrates and Plato and Kabbalah and Abramel and the mage and sort of this path that runs down through Western traditions, Western mystery traditions of the higher self, the divine self, the Christ that is in you that Paul talked about, the being that is in Christ that Paul talked about. Paul talked about a you that was seated in heavenly places 
in Christ Jesus, right? And so this brings us back to the whole concept and idea of the ego and the right-hand path and the left-hand path, what we've been talking about. The right-hand path, again, is the path of the community. It's the path of self-sacrifice. It's the path of losing yourself. It's the path of passing through the sun in order to uh, achieve ascension or enlightenment, the dissolving of the ego, the losing of the sense of separation, the realizing that all is an illusion uh, and that everything is one. That is right-hand path. Uh, that's as right-hand path as you can get. And then there is the left-hand path, which is which sees the ego as something that's useful. Uh, which doesn't see everything as being strictly an illusion and uh, sees the, the, the ego as something that's useful. Yes, something that can block you and that can hinder you, uh, for sure. Something that can lead you astray, something that can cause you all kinds of problems, something that can be a source of suffering. But I take really strong issue with people that say that the ego is the source of all suffering. Because you, you just haven't been around a lot of hurting people that have had devastating things happen to them in their lives. And if you say that, I think you should pause and think about the impact of your words before you say that ego is the cause of all suffering because you are victim blaming when you do that. And yeah, it's easy maybe for you, uh, with little annoyances in life and relationships to observe the ego and say, yeah, the ego is the source of my suffering. It's something completely different to tell someone who lost a child to a horrible disease or uh, to someone that was raped or victimized or someone who had a, a child that was murdered. I mean, I'm talking about really painful stuff that a lot of things that are some things that some of us will never have to experience. And you're going to sit there and tell that person that their ego is the cause of their suffering or that we're all one. So, you know, just um, when, when you see your perpetrator and you realize that you're all one, then you can forgive and forgiveness is the answer. Forgiveness is a answer, but it's not the answer necessarily for everyone. Some people uh, forgiving puts them in a place of perpetual victimhood. So, you know, just think a little bit and pause a little bit before you say some of these things, before you put some of these things out there. And by the way, I haven't looked at the comments for a while. So if, if, if I'm, if I'm hammering somebody in the comments, I don't mean to be, I'm not coming at you directly. So maybe just, you know, pause and think about what you say sometimes and think about the impact that it has on hurting people when you're talking about very important and significant significant issues like suffering. So the left-hand path says, look, that this world is real. This world um, operates according to principle and law and cause and effect. And there is a way for us to, through will, desire, a belief, imagination, and connecting with this source energy of life and power and the divine within you that you can cause change to occur in the real world according to your will, according to your desire, according to your belief. And so it's not a retreat from reality. It's not a spiritual bypassing, and it's not offering people these sort of really oversimplified answers to try to make ourselves feel better because we're living in a world where there's a lot of random chaos and a lot of horrible things that happen. Now, with the left-hand path, there is an understanding then. So, so the ego can be useful. The ego isn't the source of all suffering. That's absolute BS. The ego is not the source of all suffering. Um, the world is not an illusion. The world is real. It exists. It's going to go on without you. It's gone on without people. I mean, Mother Nature kills and eats her children. <laughs> All of it, right? All of it is going to pass away and whatever. But this world is still going to remain. Now, I've dealt with the illusion part of this world or the illusory aspects of this world. Just because there are illusory 
aspects. There are aspects of illusion to our senses and our perceptions of the world. Just because we don't see the world as it really is, we see it the way we are conditioned to see it. We see it the way we believe. So there are aspects of reality that are that is an illusion, but it's not all an illusion. <laughs> I can't believe I even have to say this. All right. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I'm going off on that. I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> so the left-hand path, rather than disintegrating everything and just saying none of it exists, none of it's real, my ego's not real, myself doesn't exist, the world out there doesn't exist, we're all just fun. And I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's saying, yeah, there's a real world out there. There's real other people out there. And, uh, and they have a right. They, they are a center of consciousness. They have a daemon. They have a higher self. They have a self that can be actualized. Uh, they have problems and suffering. They have a right to exist just like I do. The I and the thou that Martin Buber talked about, if you care or know anything about philosophy and Martin Buber and the I and the thou. <clears throat> um, and then being able to be guided through life, to be directed through life, to be comforted when terrible things happen, to receive divine comfort, comfort, supernatural comfort, or to be able to effect change according to will, desire, and belief, then it requires this knowledge and conversation with the holy guardian angel or with the higher self or the raising up of the daemon or the Christ that is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's all this, this interconnecting. So at first your ego and your senses are in opposition to this. They are in sometimes direct conflict to this. So it is an obstacle that you have to get around or there is work that you need to do. And then once you connect with the daemon, then your senses, your ego, your thinking, your feeling life then becomes the vehicle of expression. The personality becomes the vehicle of expression through which this this higher divine self then uh, connects. And the marriage, the marriage, supper of the lamb, if you will, that the marrying of the higher and the lower is, is the higher dimensions not being in opposition to the lower dimensions but being married and joined and integrated and received so that you are living the fullness of life, both naturally, physically, and from a spiritual, heavenly, and divine perspective. So it's the heavenly you, it's the divine you marrying the lower aspects of your nature, not trying to rid you, rid, rid them or kill them or destroy them, but marrying them and creating a union so that there is a balance between what we have judged and blamed and defined as the lower aspects of the nature with the higher aspects of the nature. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a receiving, there has to be a connecting in consciousness with this higher self so that you get an internal dialogue going that most people in my experience, when I connected with what I thought was the Holy Spirit, when I was communing with what I thought was Jesus, in reality, I can see now that it was my higher self, it was my daemon that was coming to me and connecting with me in, a, a, in accordance with my belief system. So I said, in, in spite of my belief system, not because of it, but you could say in accordance with my belief system. So there are people that have visions of Jesus and they receive downloads of information or they have dialogue that they believe they're having with the Holy Spirit. And yet when they see Jesus, Jesus looks like them. If if they're black, Jesus is black. If they're white, Jesus is white. I suppose maybe if they're uh, Asian, maybe Jesus is Asian or because it's so embedded in the human consciousness, then perhaps they see Jesus uh, as a white person because it's typically associated with white man's religion. Whatever the case may be, my point is that the Jesus that they are communing with oftentimes does not have anything in common with the Middle Eastern guy that lived 2,000 years ago, right? Or maybe they're connecting with what they think is their angel. 
And it can be. It can be other entities. It can be uh, what they call in some circles ascended masters. It can be uh, coming from the angelic realms. It can be an entity, certainly, that is other than you in that sense. That has a existence that is not dependent upon you. But often that is speaking. Sometimes people also come into contact with things that masquerade as the higher self. Things that masquerade as Jesus. There's, there's a lot of Jesuses out there that are masquerading around that are egregores that are entities that have been created in consciousness through group consciousness and group energy and group devotion that when you hook up with that uh, thing by agreement, uh, you hook up with it energetically, then it's influencing you. But you can also have alienated parts of you, parts of what I call your shadow self, parts of yourself that you've judged and alienated that are carrying shame, that are carrying condemnation, and they will appear as a divine figure or masquerade as the higher self, and they will shame you, and they will degrade you, and they will um, put you down from a place of divine authority. Sometimes people's superego, their inner critic can masquerade as the voice of God, the, the inner perfectionist inside of them. And boy, is, is, can religion create internal psychological problems for people that are, that have a, a tendency towards obsessive compulsive disorder or have a tendency towards just, uh, perfectionism or that were raised in families where shaming was used to motivate or change or modify your behavior, and so mom shamed you, or dad shamed you, or the church shamed you to get you in line with what was acceptable in the family and in the culture, and so there's parts of you that received that shaming, there's parts of you that received those sort of behavior modification that are still uh, programmed inside of you, and and want to control you, because they believe they're doing something good for you, listen, they're those parts of you that feel shame or that do the shaming, those parts of you that do the shaming internally, they want something good for you. They really are programmed to believe that shaming in the end leads to a good outcome for you. And so if if they believe that certain behaviors are unacceptable or certain behaviors are dangerous, then... And you have other parts of you because you've alienated that part of you and you're not aware of that part of you. So you have these other parts of you that are engaging in those same behaviors. You better believe that shaming part of you wants to take control and stop those things from going on. So if you're engaging in spiritual practices, if you're engaging in meditation, then that part of you can ascend up and take on the appearance of a divine figure in order to lord over you because it believes it's doing something positive for you. And it is not Jesus, and it is not your higher self, and it is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is a shamed part of you that is in the dumping ground of your shadow self. It's a part of you that needs enlightenment. It's not the part bringing enlightenment. It's not the part meant to bring enlightenment. Let's put it that way. It's part of you that needs enlightening. It's part of you that needs to engage in the conversation with your higher self or with the Holy, with, with what Mathers and others called the Holy Guardian Angel. So that then brings us to this point of, okay, Aaron, how do we connect with this higher self? Or you might be asking, how do we know? How do I know if I've made connection with my higher self? Um, and I'd have two answers to that. How do you know? And I'll try to give some practical stuff here at the end. But how do you know? Number one, if you have to ask, then you haven't, you, you, you may have had influence from the higher self. You may have had influence from the inner daemon, which we all do. We all receive influence from it. Um, we all get benefit from it and direction from it. But you may not know from whence it's coming, and you may not have clear channels 
of open communication yet. So if you have to ask, how do I know if I've had that encounter? You probably haven't. It's like saying, um, if you really fall in love, I mean, really genuinely fall in love with someone, you know that you love them. Like, I don't need to wonder, do I love my children, right? Um, I, I'm just trying to give you different examples. If you fall in love with a partner, you know that you're in love, right? But maybe that relationship didn't work out for you. So I'm trying to think of another association. So you love your children, right? You don't have to be told um, to love your children. So it's that kind. It, it really is that kind of experience. The second thing I want to say is there's no easy pathway um, into this. This requires a lot of focus and effort and devotion to uh, to discover this, and because you have to work on yourself, you have to you have to start with working on the various different aspects of yourself. You have to own your projections. Um, you have to realize. You really have to let go of all the judgments that you have on all the various different parts of you that you have not liked. Um, it's funny. I, I woke up this morning and, uh, and Julie, my wife says, uh, wow, you look like you're hating life this morning. And that, my neck was in pain. I hadn't slept good. And I just, I was in that moment. I was authentically hating on my life. And the moment, and I just looked at her and I kind of grunted, <laughs> I'm not really a morning person. And I thought, here's how this thing works, right? This is the level of self-awareness that you can get to. I thought, yeah, I really hate my life. And these little voices came up and said, you know, Aaron, you've got a good life. There, There's lots of people that have had it worse or have it worse than you, especially right now. Uh, you should be grateful. You should be more positive. You should be a positive thinker. And so my authentic self was like, ooh, I hate life right now. And then all these little voices, all these little programmings, uh, sort of subtly start sneaking in and saying, well, you should be more grateful. You should focus on the positive. You should feel bad. There was even one that was, you should feel bad for hating life because you've really got a good life. What's the matter with you? And I could, I heard all that stuff rattling off inside of me. And so there were the shoulds again, right? So I had to offer grace. I had to offer acceptance to the part of me that, didn't want to be here this morning. <laughs> that hated my life this morning, right? There was a part of me that authentically did not like what I was experiencing in that moment. And that part of me needs love and acceptance as well. That part of me needs not to be judged to say, oh, how terrible that you feel that way. But I had all this programming going on inside. And so this is where doing what psychologists call metacognition, where you think about your thinking or you step back and you watch your thinking, uh, and 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 observe all that stuff that's going on inside of you, that begins to allow for you to know yourself, to know your own thinking, what you think, and the structure of your thinking, doing some journaling on that stuff, doing some automatic writing, right? Doing meditation so that you can quiet some of that internal dialogue and make connection with those higher regions of your spirit, with those higher realms of the higher self. So that's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say, one thing you can practice, and this would be in terms of automatic writing or recording, is that your higher self is totally committed to your welfare and your benefit. Um, so there is no shaming. There is no, um, yeah, there is none of that. There might be loving rebuke or correction. Oftentimes there is. Oftentimes you know you're connecting with your higher self because it's going to show you your patterns and your flaws first, more so than anything else. Like I'm going to connect with my higher self because I want to figure out how to operate in gifts of omniscience and gifts of omnipotence. And because you can have all that, you can have the omniscience, the omnipotence, the um, omnipresence in varying degrees, 
that comes. And that's one of the ways you know you make connection with your higher self is you begin to experience, you begin to have some of those experiences. But that's not going to be the first thing that you experience. The first thing you're going to experience oftentimes are these loving rebukes that show you where your patterns uh, are messing you up, where your patterns are operating in contradiction to your soul or to your soul's purpose, right? So, but you can listen inside for a voice that is very compassionate, that is very wise, and that is very positive, um, that speaks positively, that talks positively, that speaks compassionately, that speaks with wisdom. Oftentimes it's your higher self that gives you those aha moments. So you can, you can quiet your mind through meditation, focusing on your breathing, quiet your mind and just listen for that positive internal dialogue to come up from within. Like it's just a flow of rhetoric, a flow of dialogue that comes up from within and then start writing it. Just start writing it or talking it into a tape recorder. And oftentimes that voice that you hear is or will be oftentimes the voice of your higher self or the voice of your inner daemon. And so that is a sense of self. So all of that to say that if we throw away ego, if we throw away separation and we say that we're all into oneness and our ego just needs to evaporate, it's all an illusion and we all are one, then you do not connect with the daemon because the daemon is a just a different sense of self. You are just shifting your I, your I am, if you will, from the programming, which is what most people call ego, uh, the way you are programmed in your thoughts, personality, subconscious to operate and react in, into life. And you're withdrawing the I, the consciousness from that so that you're actually creating separation. You're not dealing with oneness at all. You are separating that consciousness. You're identifying with the listener inside of you. You're identifying with the presence inside of you. And you're observing this other talker in your mind. You're observing this other feeler. So to, so to speak, this, this, what, uh, Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body inside. You're, you're observing that stuff, but you're doing it from a, another center, from another ego state, from another I. And so the goal is to be able to connect your center with the eternal sun inside of you, with the light inside of you, with the divine presence inside of you that is, that, that doesn't move, um, that doesn't change that is enlightened, that, that, that is mediating then experiences. It's through this connection with the higher self. Then the, the, the higher self then mediates experiences with angels. The higher self mediates experiences with Jesus. The higher self mediates experiences with other things that are out there, other energies, other consciousness and energy that you might want to be able to connect with and experience. Um, it's guiding your life, <clears throat> the, guiding from the inside out some decisions that you make, but always, 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 always with regard and respect uh, and compassion towards other people, uh, towards the community as well, because it's not the ego center that is only concerned about pain and pleasure and what benefits me. Uh, it is a, it is a higher self center. It is what people call the I am. And let me just tell you, it's one thing to believe in the I am or to believe that you are an I am. It's something completely other to live from that center and connect with that center and to be able to operate from that, uh, central place of living and life. And when that happens, when that happens, then you are connected to the divine. Your life does take on synchronicities. It's not all just chance and happenstance. You really do begin to see the order and the outworking of purpose. You begin to see the order of synchronicities. Uh, you begin to connect with people that are part of your soul family, that are part of your uh 
that, that are benefiting you and that you are called to benefit as well. And so you really do begin to see the plan. You really do begin to see the purpose. You really do begin to understand why you're here, uh, who you are, why you're here. <laughs> Excuse me. Who you are, why you're here, and where you're going. You begin to, uh, to operate and flow from that place. You begin to anticipate things before they happen. You begin to know just intuitively the right decisions to make in certain situations. And life kicks on a grace and an ease and a flow because you're no longer fighting against your life. You're going in the flow with your life. You're what some people call ego center. The program self is no longer driving the chariot, but the higher self is uh, driving the chariot. You're no longer at war with yourself. So even when I'm sharing with you what happened to me this morning, I wasn't at war with myself. I was aware of myself. And once I became aware of that programming of saying you should, you ought, you must, then I allowed myself to have that experience, genuine present moment experience of hating my life. I let myself feel it without being judged or condemned or feeling like I had to change it. And realizing also that it's going to pass through me and flow through me, and I'll be in a different state of mind like I am right now. I don't hate anything about my life right now. Uh, a couple of hours ago, I did hated everything about my life. <laughs> so there's no emotional repression here. There's no repression and judging and shaming. There's just kind of flowing with life because you are connected, again, the way I want to I wanna say it, to the sun inside of you. You are connected to the Holy Guardian Angel. You're connected to the higher self. You're connected to the Holy Daemon, whatever language you want to use to understand that. So hopefully, I know I kind of rambled today. If you're showing up late, um, anyway, <laughs> and and I know I'm, I, for some of you, I know I'm sure I rubbed the cats for the wrong way because I'm just saying I'm on a different path. Like, if you're on the right-hand path, it's all an illusion. I don't have an ego and we all are one. Great. And if it's working for you, awesome. Wonderful. That's not my path. I don't believe that works for me. I don't believe that works well in society. I don't believe that those are the kind of answers that work for people who have genuinely suffered pain and hardship. Uh, now, if it does, if it works for them and it helps them, great, perfect. Everybody's different. So if I rub the cats for the wrong way by saying those things, I'm doing that on purpose because that's, to me, from where I stand, that's just another form of groupthink. And so, yeah, um, I'm not there. Uh, and I think there is a different, well, I know that there is a different path that we can tread that's been proven down through centuries uh, of humanity and maybe going back to even times before that. So uh, anyway, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in and listening to this guy ramble today. Uh, really appreciate it. Love you again. Thank you so much for the feedback that I got. Uh, please don't be offended if uh, I said something that you don't agree with. I hope you won't cancel me. I won't cancel you, I promise. Uh, God bless you, and uh, I love you. Bye-bye.